Welcome to the Fallon Forum. Thanks for joining us, folks. This is Ed Fallon, your host, uh, with Jeffrey Weiss in the studio with me. I want to, uh, first of all, thank the folks here at La Reina, 1260 AM and 96.5 FM, our host studio. Uh, you can also, of course, if you're listening, on whether you're listening on Facebook or on the radio or on my website, but there's lots of ways to check out the show. You can also subscribe to the program and get it as a podcast through either iTunes or Stitcher. And, of course, go ahead and like the Fallon Forum on Facebook. Because if you don't, Mark Zuckerberg will be miserably unhappy. All right, so later in the program, Joel Curtinitis and Sandra Sanchez are going to join us to talk about the failed U.S. immigration policy that is now splitting up families and getting pushed back from all across the uh, country and the globe. We'll talk about a bunch of other things later in the program as well. But first, before Jeffrey and I dig into a conversation about Trump's decision to exit the U.N. Human Rights Council... We've got to talk a bit about what happened in northwest Iowa this weekend, the spill of 230,000 gallons of oil from 32 trains that derailed next to the Rock River. You've been following this one, Jeffrey? I haven't. Okay, <laughs> so well, it's, it is. It's, it's your, to yeah, say it's a mess it. is an understatement. Uh, and, you know, this is only about, what, six, seven, eight miles from where the pipeline crosses through Lyon County as well. And... You know, one of the arguments that 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 some of the pipeline proponents had used was, well, we we need to have, uh, we need to get stuff oil off trains so that it's flowing through pipes where it's safer. Well, you know, they're they're going to say they're going to say, well, look, we told you it's not safe in trains. Look, it spilled. Well, the truth is, if you go to Wikipedia, which I think is pretty reliable, if you go to Wikipedia and you research, you look for pipeline spills and leaks in the 21st century, uh, you'll see that the <laughs> There's no shortage of pipeline spills and leaks, just as there are no shortage of trains that derail and spill their product into waterways, into farmland. And, um, you know, I just I don't know how much longer it's going to take for people to get the message that fossil fuels are dangerous no matter how they're transported. Mm-hmm. And in the end product, of course, the impact on climate change, wow. So um, speaking of the... Uh, <laughs> The eventual <laughs> I don't know whether you saw this uh, if I can find it Jeffrey this um ad in the paper this is a full page ad I don't know how many papers around the country got this it's it's in the USA today section mm-hmm. so it had to be everywhere did you see this ad <laughs> I, I didn't the mark of the beast well, where's your where's your mark where's your beast mark show us come on uh, the mark of the beast you know this is the I, I don't know I, I find it it's kind of a combination of um of, of uh, entertainment and dismay mm-hmm. that these radical, extreme, you know, uh, cult-like groups, and this one happens to be Christian, there's cults all over the place of various denominations, they, I, I don't know how, I don't know where they get their money. I mean, this full-page ad, what's that, 10 grand? Mm-hmm. And it's in the US, USA Today, presumably in papers across the country. Mm-hmm. I don't know what yeah. that costs. <laughs> how, how much did you spend last time you spoke for a full-page yeah, ad? I, I just all I can say is it doesn't surprise me. Sad to say. Yeah. Well, do you? I mean, I mean what do you? <laughs> this is a. They, they don't like the Pope very much. I mean, this is the Pope yeah. will be elevated to a position of global dominance. 
Hmm. We can only hope. Well, there are, there are actually <laughs> some members of the GOP in, in Congress that say similar things. So yeah. it's about the Pope. Yeah, they're, they're against the Pope as well. Yes, yeah. for many I, reasons. Yeah, yeah and there, there's, there's plenty of room to criticize the Catholic Church, um, although I think there's less room to criticize this Pope than there might have been previously. He's doing some amaz amazing mm -hmm. stuff. Um, he will be mankind's representative to negotiate peace when Satan uses his demons to make it appear aliens have invaded the world. I don't know. I think the aliens are and there is here. And there is no climate change. No. <laughs> yeah, so it will be deemed expedient to unite the world on a single day of worship, or at the very least, a single calendar used for worship. <laughs> That's the big push in this ad. The big, problem is strength, is, right? the big problem is we don't have one day where we're all worshiping. <laughs> Now, now Maddie is going to look at it and see yeah. if she can. She probably agree with it. She's going to be frightened. Yeah. It's going to She'll probably agree with it. She'll probably be. Next thing you know, she'll be like caught up in the rapture, and there she'll go. She'll be gone from us. At least we'll witness it. All right. So yeah, at least we'll, at least we'll get to witness the rapture through our our, our dear our dear dearly beloved producer Maddie. All right. So um, all right. So yeah, the the other story that I wanted to mention before we talk about mm -hmm. the, the UN Human Rights Council is um, the uh, the. New information about the uh, pollution that Iowa is sending to the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, all the states in the upper Midwest are causing, you know, nitrates to run into the water stream, the, the water system, and end up in the Gulf, exacerbating the dead zone. But the interesting research out from Iowa, from the University of Iowa, this is our own, one of our own public universities, saying that Iowa is the worst culprit. Hmm. We're the worst culprit. You know, we... um. Other states have been reducing the amount of nitrates. We've been increasing it. And it's not because we're farming more land. Uh, it's largely, a lot of it has to do with confined animal feeding operations, mm. CAFOs, huge hawk environments, which we're now looking at the possibility of those increasing by, 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 by a factor of 300%, mm. which is insane. And, you know, all I want to say is this. To my friends in Louisiana, sue us, please. Sue, sue the state mm -hmm. of Iowa. I mean, Des Moines, the Des Moines Waterworks sued three counties in northwest Iowa, alleging that they were contaminating our water system and causing Des Moines to have to build the most expensive nitrate removal mm -hmm. system, I believe, in the world. Mm -hmm. And so how is, that any, how is that any different than what the entire state of Iowa is doing to the Gulf of Mexico? Yeah, it could uh, be in a federal district court. That could be interesting. Yeah, so, I, I mean... <laughs> I, you know, not many people say, hey, please sue me. But in this case, I, I think I, I don't know how else to get Iowa to move beyond this so-called voluntary program. You know, and again, there are a lot of good farmers doing a lot of good things. But the problem is we have a systemic we have a systemic um, you know, problem here that's not being addressed. Mm -hmm. yeah. We can't continue to have bigger and bigger farms, bigger and bigger confinement operations and not expect to continue to contribute to be the largest contributor mm -hmm. to the growing dead zone in the Gulf. Absolutely. True. That's my that, <laughs> yeah. that's that's my spiel on that. Yep. So please, Louisiana, mm -hmm. sue us. Very important pro life issue. <laughs> well, it is a pro life issue. It is. Yeah, it is. Water is life, and we're yeah, just, we're yeah. just messing yeah. it up bad for the folks yeah. down in the Gulf of Mexico. Save the species. Save all the species. A, a huge pro life issue. Well, I, I would think that another pro life issue would be human rights. And yeah. um, <laughs> you know, I've never thought of the UN Human Rights Council as <clears throat> particularly radical, but mm -hmm. apparently Nikki Haley just announced that the U.S. is up. Uh, Pulling out, and I presume that directive came from President Trump. Yeah, well, well and I presume you don't. Yeah. You don't agree with that decision. Well, I think 
I think one of the interesting things about it is that uh, the media is focusing heavily on the statements that are coming from the administration about pulling out as a result of saying that the Human Rights Council has an anti-Israeli um, bias. But what the administration is not saying, and I don't think a lot of our media is saying, is that um, Philip Alston, a special rapporteur of the UN Human Rights Council, came Philip to the United Alston? States. Alston. Alston. Philip Alston. I'm okay. sorry. He came to the United States and spent about six months uh, traveling around rural areas, urban areas, and he wrote a long report um, about what he called um, extreme inequality and poverty in the United States and directly looked at policies coming from the current administration that he claims um, are exacerbating poverty. Um, one in five of the children on the streets in the United States, he said, on any given night um, are children. Um, he compared the poverty rates in the United States to the OECD countries. And he also said that the Trump administration and, and their political party throughout state by state are deliberately suppressing the vote, deliberately making it more difficult for poor people to vote. And so this was sent to the president. It was sent to Nikki Haley. It was sent to... Um, and again, this, this guy is the... He's a, he's a U.N. Um, he was essentially sent by members of the Human Rights Council. I'm not sure what country sent him, but he okay. um, independently came in the United States and filed a, an extensive report. Um, and they did some research to... Oh, yeah. That this report was they, based on. Oh, absolutely. Okay. And they have all their numbers in, in check. Um, one of the most startling things came from it. And, and believe me, this is so startling that it's, it's, it's almost hard for me to say it and... and the World Health Organization now says that China has passed the United States in not overall life expectancy, but what's called um, healthy life-adjusted life expectancy. They're at 69.7. The United States is 69.3. And years. those, are the, yep, those yeah. are the years when you can live independently. And if you would have told me that any time in my lifetime that China would have passed the United States in any barometer of life expectancy, I would have told you you were crazy. Well, actually, if, if somebody would have told me Chile would be ahead of the United States and Costa Rica and we'd be tied with Cuba for life, average lifespan, I would, I would have been mm. shocked. Yeah. But um, in, if you want to go to democracynow.org, um, there's an interesting uh, interview. I believe it's with Philip about this, and um, he talks in more detail um, about the report but he also talks in some detail about how startled um, he he was at some of the things he found when you compare the United States poverty um, to other countries and very simple things like average lifespan um, and infant mortality. And so I, 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 my guess is that the United States was um, offended. I think there was one statement from Haley Barber where she said something to the to the line of the United Nations has has no business um, investigating poverty in the United States. Well, see, I, I, I thought um, I thought I again I didn't mm -hmm. I didn't listen to her um, mm -hmm. the the extended comments she made. But what I the initial rationale that was given that I heard was that the the UN the UN is unfair to Israel. Sure. Yeah. And so I to what extent does that play into it? Well, I I, I don't know for sure, but my guess is that. You know that is a, that's a standard criticism that has been around for a while, and if that's the case, uh, they probably would have left the council a long, long time ago. Um, it, it may have more to do with this report, and you know, if nothing else, well, when did Alston's um, report come out? 
He just um, Philip made a present started a presentation um, on June 21st um, to the UN Human Rights Council, but the study was done and it was sent to the the President of the United States to Haley Barber and to all of these people, and there was no reaction. Although I think there has been a little bit of public re- reaction okay. since. Then. So it's fairly recent. Yeah, and, and instead of saying, okay, well, let's address this stuff, let's talk about it, <laughs> we're just going to ignore it. Just it's like, it's, it denial, reminds me of what yeah. South Carolina did when it was confronted with the fact that climate change is significantly impacting the coastal region. They legislated... Yeah. They legislated that climate change didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah, if you can get away with that, hey, great. What is but it? I, 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 ignorance, I, is, ignorance is strength. I mean, that's that's the the message of the of, yeah. of every well, day that comes this, from this sounds Washington. Like, this sounds very similar. It, it is. It is very similar. And you know what's interesting about it is, I spent a little time online looking at who covered this story in terms of media. And you know, the L.A. Times did a story. It's mostly the business press. Fortune magazine, Bloomberg, um, a lot of the business press is, interestingly enough, not only publishing articles about such things, about extreme poverty in the United States, but there's an interesting part at the end of the Fortune article where it says uh, Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan were, were um, we attempted to contact them, and if we get any reaction from them, we will, we will publish yeah. it in, well, in, in Fortune magazine. Yeah, so it's standard anymore for, uh, the for business politicians press to ignore the media. To ignore inquiries yeah. if they don't want to, if they if they know that what they're going to say is not what the, uh, yeah. not what the inquiry wants to hear. So. Absolutely, but it's it's interesting to to have the business press of, of all people be, yeah. be uh, somewhat vigilant in, in well, publishing a lot of stories on on the status of the United States. I mean, you know, isn't the business community in a bit of a bind because sure they they they, they want to be as wealthy as possible. They want to own it all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I'm not, not talking about your average small or independent mm-hmm. or mid-sized business, but these big corporations that keep buying each other out. I mean, obviously, their goal is to own it all. Sure. I'm just cutting to the chase. Monopoly capitalism, yeah. sure. But at the same time, mm-hmm. that gets into, that creates a, an additional a problem for them because mm-hmm. if they own it all, then the people who no longer have anything or much of anything can't afford to buy whatever they're selling. Yeah, and they, may assu- so. and they may show up at their door. I mean, I think... When you see some of these cabinet officials, you see protests going on at their private houses, or you see um, the press secretary of the of of, of the United States, um, you know, being thrown out of a restaurant because she's being jeered at. Um, I think that that people who are in positions of power should be concerned. I mean, I, I think one of the things that's happening in this country is, I think people are tired of racism. And Except the racists, they love. Well, yeah, love, no, that's racism. and they have a license now. And, and yeah, they have. They yeah, have, uh, and I think that, approval yeah. from within. I mean, the White people House. should go back and read Langston Hughes. You know what? What happened to a dream deferred? The poem. You know, um, and I mean, just just something to think about in terms of um, how how people are going to respond. I mean, you hear Maxine Waters and you hear um, other people speak, and you can you can see that really, really people are people are tired. Of it, I mean, it is 2018, um, and you know you have a political party that's to some extent sort of left its brain in the in the 19th century, and there's a lot of people who who are just simply not going to accept that, and I think it has a lot of people in positions of power a little bit nervous, and I think that's probably a good thing. So uh, before we, I want I want to ask you another question about the, um, the 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 U.S.'s status regarding human rights and other. Other key yeah, indicators yeah. of well-being. You, you said that the uh, that 
the, the U.S. has come under fire for having a pretty poor human rights record in its mm -hmm. own country. Yeah, voter um, suppression and, and um, extreme yeah. poverty are the two things that the, that's our spotlight. And now what about this? rare in the world, what about this other suppression. Report? This other report that just came out, mm -hmm. the, the report describes reputable countries. I think that's an interesting mm -hmm. you know, designation. Sure. But it, it looked at a, a whole range of, uh, of indicators. Mm -hmm and um, found that uh, Sweden is the most reputable country in the world. Uh, Finland is second, Norway is third. Mm -hmm. uh, Denmark, it's a Scandinavian countries dominate. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, New they, Zealand <laughs> is up there. Yeah. U.S. ranks 34th. Um, yeah. And, I mean, and this, and this, is, an, uh, this is a USA Today yeah. report. Well, it, it's really interesting. Um, Reporters Without Borders uh, lists the United States as 45th in the world in terms of freedom of the press, and interestingly enough, all those countries you mentioned, almost all of them are in the top ten, and yeah. also of, of, of free press. What's interesting that's happening in Europe, and this has been happening before this president was elected, so I, you know, usually when I talk about this, people think that right. I'm talking about this president, and really I'm not. Um, Angela Merkel it was for a while called the leader of the free world, <laughs> and now Emmanuel Macron, since he's been so vocal, especially with with the shape of the EU and, and what's happening with um, EU immigration policy, um, you know, you watch the European news and they talk about how you know is Macron taking the mantle of leader of the free world. Most of the world regards the United States with Turkey with Russia, with Hungary, as a country that's been taken over by a far right wing um, government and a far right wing authoritarian. Um, I, one of my most despised words, there's a lot of them, is, is conservative. Because if, if you look at traditional conservatives, there's very little that's conservative about um, a lot of the policies and the things that are happening um, within, for example, the Republican Party. But th it's also very, very confusing because, as you know, um, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama would be conservatives <clears throat> in, in most of Europe. And yeah. the term in Europe, you know, you'll have a party called liberal conservative. And there isn't a lot of difference um, between them. But, you know, the, den the denial of climate change, you know, the only country um, in the world that has refused to ratify the U.N. Convention on the Rights of a Child um, literally the only country, right? And that's because there's there's GOP opposition to that. Wait, wait, what, um, what what exactly does that uh, that statement involve? It, it's it's essentially a, it's a pretty simple treaty that has as its baseline the the idea that is similar to the the Senate rejecting the treaty on disabilities, um, which essentially says that children have human rights and they have human rights that need to be respected. Now I. I sort of admire the 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 GOP for being opposed to that treaty because I Why? think because no because I think they're honest. Oh, I think if okay. if you're going to detain um, children, how can you be pro-life and be opposed to the rights but, of children? But I, you know, I uh, maybe I, I'll just digress a minute. But I, you know, the way I looked at a lot of this separating children really didn't surprise me. I mean, countries that torture people. If they torture adults, if they have, you know, Guantanamo Bay, if they have things like rendition, of course we call it enhanced interrogation techniques in our Orwellian language, but if you torture adults, most torturous regimes also torture children. And when this administration said we're essentially mistreating these children so that we can get adults to change their behavior, that is quite common. If, if you look at the history of, and I'm not talking about the most torturous countries in history, I'm talking about... Um, countries that, 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 that torture people all around the world and have a history of doing that. If, if, if you can torture adults, it's not much of a jump to torture children. So I, I sort of admire them for their honesty by saying, 
you know, that, that children do not have human rights and people that are disabled um, do not have human rights. I also think that the, the Democratic Party's silence on some of these treaties is 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 so is, you, is, 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 is disappointing, I guess, for a nice word. And also the, the, the United States media's silence on, you know, where, where our country stands vis-a-vis the rest of the world. Um, it's just lazy. I mean, it's such lazy reporting. It's just it's all about what's happening here and what, what the Democrats are saying and what the Republicans are saying. But unfortunately, if the Democrats are not talking about the refusal so to ratify these treaties, what have the very few people said, are. What has the, the Democratic Party said regarding the, uh, the, the exiting from the U.N. Human Rights Council? You know, I... Um, <clears throat> A little bit, but not a lot. <laughs> and, and I think that's because of the stated reason of the administration. And, you know, some of those Democrats don't want to appear to be uh, because, uh, called be, anti-Israeli. Demo- well, okay. Uh, you know? Uh, right. Yeah. But, w- but wouldn't Democrats also be somewhat culpable in the concerns raised about human rights Oh, absolutely. Uh, by, by Alston and his committee? Y- yes. Uh, oh, because, absolutely because they would. It's, it's not like it's just been... One party running the show for sure, yeah. and and you know I mean Barack Obama had the bully pulpit for eight years, and you know one wishes when he sent that treaty to be ratified and the Senate rejected it, he would have given a press conference about it and talked about it, and and if the media didn't want to talk about it, he would have kept talking about it. I mean, you know, why, I mean, why is that? Why would, I mean that you know I I, I I believe that Barack Obama and Michelle Obama are very good people, mm-hmm. even though I might not have agreed with all their policies. Sure. I, and, and I would I would have thought that that'd be something that would be a high enough concern that they would have continued to speak out about. Yeah, I, I, and it, it, it you know when you think about those eight years, I mean, boy, you could probably think a lot of what missed opportunity missed opportunities went, you know. And I think towards the end of his presidency, he became more outspoken about some things and passed some executive orders on different things. But no, I think overall. Um, you know, at the national level, we, we really need some some vocal leadership to, to talk about these things. I mean, the, the silly thing about the treaty on disabilities is that um, people with it was written largely through the language of the U.S. Congress with the Americans for Disabilities Act. So it doesn't seem to be too controversial to ratify a treaty that essentially says people with disabilities have human rights or people with children have human rights. Although, like I said, I, I sort of admire them for their honesty that if you're going to detain children um, and, you know, and, and abuse or torture children, you know, I sort of have some admiration for you, at least to be honest enough to say that you're not in favor of, of the human rights of children. Yeah. Well, it's more honest than the countries that are ratifying it and who are also mistreating children, I guess I would say. Right. Which really isn't a very high, well, it's not that, a high that, bar. Yeah, I was going to say. But, you exactly, know, I, I don't have much of a high that's, bar. That's not a huge amount of praise. Yeah, I uh, mean. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I'll just add, you know, you've talked about climate change a few times. And, you know, you've heard me say this before, Ed. And I, if there's anybody out there, find me. I, I may, I, you know, you may get a cash reward or something. Give me another major political party in the world, in the entire world, that denies the science of climate change and, in particular, the grounds that they deny it. Um, and, and I'm curious. Like I said, I've done research. I found, I found a couple, the, the sort of neo-fascist party in, in Germany, the alternative Germany, um, and even then, they've sort of backed off on it. So, I mean, we're dealing with some real interesting dynamics yeah. in our country. How, how big of a cash prize are we talking about, Jeffrey? Uh, I don't know. You know, we um, <laughs> I'll go. The, 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 be, be careful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I won't say it on the air. Unfortunately, your point is well taken. So, yeah, uh, folks, we've been uh, talking with Jeffrey Weiss here. Jeffrey is. Uh, 
What, what organizational affiliation um, do you identify with? You know, Catholic Peace Ministry, um, you know, I should be talking more about the Poor People's Campaign and some of the real promising things that are well, happening. We're going to have you know. back to do that sometime. Yeah, yeah, cause, yeah, because there there is a lot of resistance and there's a lot of things going on. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see where this all goes. And this, in the Koreas, you know, yeah. South Korea, North Korea, and China talking. I mean, there are some good things happening. There's certainly the a strong connection between poverty and, and human rights as well. So. Absolutely. I remember you. You're the one who made my dreams come true. Just a few kisses ago. I remember you, you're the one who said I love you too, and I do, didn't you know, and I remember too a distant bell, and stars that fell like rain out of the blue. My life is through And the angels ask me to recall The thrill of them all Then I shall tell them I remember you Sandra Sanchez with the American Friends Service Committee and Joel Curtinitis with himself. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, Today representing only. And a self-described uh, conservative libertarian homeschooling dad. Sure. What monikers did I miss? Well, uh, columnist for the Register. Okay. Yeah, there is that, you know. Yeah. Not 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 on the uh, not on the payroll, but you uh, you you oh. get to write for them. No, in I, a while. I I do. I am. I just uh, freelance. So. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, um, welcome to the show, and uh, there has been pretty much universal concern about the practice that came to light recently of separating children from their families, immigrant children from their families at the border. And um, surprisingly, I think surprisingly, President Trump backed off that with an executive order. But, you know, I guess I, I, I hope we can, you know, kind of learn some, you know, kind of understand what exactly is happening? And also, I think part of the uh, the truth is this is not like a this didn't just suddenly happen. Uh, this has been going on for a while. That's correct. At least uh, from my part that I can speak to that, uh, it has been going on uh, for years uh, since the Obama administration. Nevertheless, it was uh, less common, much less common. Secondly. Uh, the executive order that you just spoke of uh, is meaningless. It has no power, no teeth in order to reunite the families that were already separated from their kids, so or kids from their parents. So um, that executive order might have been uh, a symbolic 
act of contrition, perhaps, but nothing else in that. Uh, he didn't give direct orders to change the policy, to start reuniting the kids that were already separated from their parents. And uh, they are recently, they are uh, freeing people who are asking for asylum, but simply because they don't have capacity to put more in detention. Oh, okay. Sadly. So, uh, so Sadly. Um, you know, Joel, you and I are often on different sides of issues. Um, but this, this one, in, in this case, we, we agree that this has been problematic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think there's almost a universal outcry against this, as I, I think you mentioned uh, during the break there. I mean, the, the outcry is almost universal. The struggle comes when people look, uh, look for solutions. And that's, I think, the conflict that we're seeing right now. Because fundamentally, you talk about the fact that you can blame at least two presidents for this. And I think you could probably make a case that there's more than that. Um, but ultimately, the president's job is to fulfill and execute the laws that Congress passes. We have a law problem here that goes way, way, way back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so even though I'm somebody who uh, strongly believes in, in you know, secure borders and the rule of law, our current policy and our current immigration policy is incoherent and cruel. Would you agree with that, Sandra? Would you call it in- incoherent and cruel? Absolutely. <laughs> I always have uh, since day one that I started uh, learning about this, this law which was back in 1991. Actually, I found myself in the cruelty, in the middle of the cruelty of this law, and I promised myself to do something about it. You and mean you personally? Why. I personally, because I, I asked for a travel permit to go see my mother when she was dying, mm. and I was denied that permit. And so you're, you're, there was you're, no reason for them to deny that permit. You were living here. What was your status at that time? My status was that I was in the process of uh, okay. getting my pa- paperwork done. And uh, perhaps, I don't know if you know or, or, or not this, Joel, but uh, it's not easy to come through uh, <laughs> the legal means or legal mm-hmm. ways that exist currently. We have an... an an impossible, almost impossible law to overcome if you are trying to come here the legal way. So President Trump says that nobody should be trying to enter the country illegally. They just need to get in line. They just, no. President Trump should know or learn that we have a bad law, very bad law, and that we need to change it. What what about that, Joel? Uh, Should... Again, responding to President Trump saying people just need to get in line. Well, again, you know, if if that's the law that Congress passed, that's what's there right now. But he should be leading the effort to change that. Uh, During the primaries, during the Republican primaries, there was a debate over this because Trump wouldn't come out with any specific reform plans. And his main competitor at the time was Ted Cruz, who said, you know, I'm against illegal immigration, but we have a broken immigration system. And part of the the, one of the first things that he would, would have done in office was to streamline legal immigration to make it faster and easier so that it doesn't encourage people to go around it, because that's the problem right now, is you've established a barrier that people will are now incentivized to go around. And, and it seems like the cornerstone of Trump's immigration proposal is to build a big wall. How do you feel about that? Uh, I'd say good luck with it. I, I read an article, you know, this is the first <laughs> thing my mind goes to every time, is I read an article not too long ago about a drug bust uh, down, I think, off the California coast, where the, where the peddlers had built a submarine. They built a submarine, a homemade submarine, to bring drugs up. Drugs up. And I'm thinking... I'm I'm pretty sure that they can get around a wall too. I mean, I could be wrong, but well, maybe that wall needs to be extended out into the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, let's just build it all the way to the Middle East. You know, why not? Just build it. Yeah. 
That'd be great. Yeah. I, I assume you're not a fan of the wall either, Sandra. <laughs> uh, that would be the wall of shame. Um, that's how we call wall it. Wall of shame. The wall mm -hmm. of shame. That's how we call it among immigrants. Because uh, why would you build a wall between friendly countries, or at least so far friendly countries? <laughs> because uh, there's absolutely no reason for that. Mm -hmm. And like Joel was saying, if people want to come here, if they are risking their lives to come here, a wall is not going to stop them. Yeah. And furthermore, in regard to changing the law, as uh, he was mentioning too, uh, we need to change the law, but in such a way that it respects and retains the uh, family-based immigration, not only employment-based immigration, because uh, the cornerstone of any society is family. If we don't have families here, complete families, then we are not doing and us any favor. I think people know that, feel that, and maybe that's why this this travesty has created such a backlash. Uh, but honestly, I mean, what happened in Postville, Iowa, you know, years exactly. ago. Exactly. Is is, or what happened in Mount Pleasant uh, just this just year. Just recently. Is that, is that all that different? I mean, families are it's, still being separated, still being torn apart. It is not different, and I am so glad that you're raising that point because that, that was going to be my main point today. Uh, that sorry to steal this, it from you. This <laughs> situation is not just happening. It has been happening with every single deportation case, and those have been counted in the hundreds of thousands. In many instances, as much as the administration wants to portray most of these people as criminals, people are not criminals when they have committed a minor violation well, of a civil law, number one. Number two, even if they committed a traffic violation, you wouldn't call them Criminals, then otherwise we would be calling criminals more than half of the population here. Way more. So <laughs> I think that that is irrational. Mm. So the, here we have, uh, I mean, people across the political spectrum discussing this issue, basically agreeing. Why can't we get something done, Joel? Well, I mean, the, the agreement, <clears throat> again, the agreement on the problem is, is pretty self-evident. The agreement on a solution is difficult. And um, I was reading earlier this week the different solutions that are being tossed about in Congress right now. This is kind of where the fundamental divide uh, comes from, is that you have Democrats proposing a solution that just says, we don't want to deal with it right now, just let everyone go. And that's not an acceptable answer to about most most of America. And I just saw the statistic before I came over. CBS poll says over 70% of Americans don't want everyone to just be let go. So we, we have a problem with a disagreement in our society of so, what the solution should be. The problem we agree on. The solution is the problem. Is that a fair characterization of the uh, Democratic position on it, son? No, absolutely okay. not. Uh, my understanding of what is the position of most Democrats is that uh, they most don't... Most elected Democrats are talking about. Congress. Right now. Okay. I'm, I'm talking about ones, the ones that are in Congress. It's because they are in disagreement with the proposals that are being considered right now, okay, because they are ending with family unification, family-based migration. They would be giving only some uh, kind of regular status to dreamers, and they would not provide any solution for TPS, temporary protected status holders, or any of those other people, families, workers, that are already setting roots here that have no legal status. Uh, so 
it would not be a good solution what is on the table right now. That's why Democrats are not supporting it. I'm not saying there are any angels, because they could have supported a bipartisan proposal, but sadly, the Republicans in, in Congress, when Obama was a president, there was already a, a good proposal, a decent proposal that could have who, made who, who both was, sides happy. And, and who, who it's not that? happening. Who was that proposal? It was a bipartisan bill by uh, okay. people like Lindsey Graham. Um, oh, by sure. That was like the Gang of Eight. Exactly. That was the Gang of Eight bill. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a reasonable proposal. Well, and part of what took that down was, was talk happen? radio. Mm -hmm. the, the the talking the talking heads on the commercial stations that are dominated by two big corporations just came out you know, rapidly against it and had switchboard uh, the switchboard of these uh, senators' offices was ringing off the hook by people listening to the program and calling and saying whatever whatever talking points uh, they were given actually. Actually, I'm sorry, but actually the Republican Party already was pretty much united in not passing anything proposed by the Obama administration. Is, is, that, is, that, is that fair, Joel? Or? Anything that involves amnesty is a, is a blanket shutdown in the GOP right now. I'm and that's, sorry. I know it's an ambiguous term, okay. but that's, that's what the president ran yeah. on for the most part. And so I don't, okay. I don't see that line moving. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not going to agree with throwing out the word amnesty so easily because it was not amnesty. Amnesty means that people... People are being pardoned for some kind of crime, okay? That's what amnesty means. In the proposal, there was no pardon. They had to pay certain uh, fee for having broken the law. So that is not amnesty. That was a legalization or regularization program that was uh, proposed. So uh, I think that we need to be very careful in what kind of language we use because that's why there is this disconnect between people who are basically in agreement that the system is broken, that we need to fix it, and that it is unfair to kids, to families, to people who are fleeing from violence and fearing for their lives, and we should not be uh, taking it lightly. I want to I ask Joel a bit more about um, what, what, you know, what he sees as a reasonable approach to trying to bridge this gap, but first I do need to take a second to to, um, I can reach out to some of the uh, local businesses in Des Moines that have uh, made this program possible thanks to the uh, support from uh, Cinco de Mayo Restaurant. Uh, they serve authentic Mexican food at very affordable prices with friendly service. Uh, they're located on Southeast 14th Street in Des Moines. Uh, thanks also to uh, Bold Iowa. Bold Iowa is um, a uh, local organization supporting uh, building rural and urban coalitions to push back against climate change, to uh, fight the abuse of eminent domain, and to promote uh, non-industrial renewable energy. So back to our conversation. Um, Joel, uh, again, you know, you know, Sandra probably knows more than both of us on this <laughs> in terms of the details, but I, I think, you know, you have a good heart, and I think you have a good pulse on where folks in the libertarian and conservative realm of, um, realm of politics stand. Is there, is there some way to find that common ground uh, that even if we can't get Congress to do anything, it seems like the words do nothing Congress are almost redundant anymore. Uh, is, there, is there a way to get more and more of the general public? Uh, is, 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 there, is there any elements of a proposal that might, might accomplish that? 
Well, first of all, it's not a purely academic discussion to me. Um, my, my grandmother's Puerto Rican. My grandfather was a Mexican immigrant. He came here legally, served in the Air Force. Um, that's, that's kind of my background on it. And one of the things that he was the angriest about when we would talk to him was out of control illegal immigration because he said, you know, I went through the proper channels, I did things the right way, and here I see people just going around all the hoops that I had to jump through, and it's it makes me bitter. And so it, it's just one of those things where it is, it has been something that I've, I've looked into for a long time. I think there are solutions, they're just maybe not the easy ones that we want, because mm -hmm. now we want everything fast, we want it instant, we want it easy. And it doesn't work that way when you're talking about millions of people and a complex issue like this. Now another thing that people forget is that the majority of, of the immigration, uh, illegal immigration in this country is not people jumping the fence. It's it's people who overstay green cards. That's by far the majority. And um, it's not even necessarily from the southern border that the majority of this is. So the, the discussion needs to be broadened, first of all. Mm -hmm. And uh, my day job is in IT. I work with a lot of folks from India and Pakistan, places like that. They have the same problems. Uh, in the middle of a project, they'll have to drop off and go out to Mexico because they can't extend. There's all kinds of issues that impact families in big ways. So we have to address the issue comprehensively, but I think you have to take the, the baby steps at first, right? And what that looks like right now, I think, and I shared this with you, there's a proposal out there right now uh, that's in opposition to the Reed proposal, and it was by Cruz, who's a senator from a, a border state, who said, hey, let's keep the families together, but let's expedite the process so that we don't have people sitting here for months and months and months. Let's double the number of judges to get these cases moving and not keep people right. um, you know, against their will for this amount of time. But you have Trump saying that we've got enough judges we don't need anymore. Even as Republicans I'm not and a Trump Democrats, fan, as you know, <laughs> <laughs> even as Democrats and Republicans are both saying, "Hey, we need more judges." Mm -hmm. What do we have? Three hundred and fifty, and I think the proposal is for another two hundred and twenty-five or so. Mm -hmm. that, that that seems like a, a a starting point, maybe a small step, Sandra. It would be a small step, but again, that will not solve the bigger problem. The root of the problem here is what is pushing people out of their countries. Yeah. And in most instances, it has been United States policies that were uh, forced in these countries either 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, or two years ago. So we have to go to the root of the problem without looking at that. We can never come up with a good permanent solution that will make this system flowing, that will allow it to adjust as circumstances adjust, because the new reality is that we have a global economy, we have a, a world that is becoming smaller and smaller, and we are more interdependent, and we have to recognize that and respect that, but also put first human beings, second, we can put merchandise, investments, support, and so on. You know, I've, I've been to Chiapas, southern Mexico, which is pretty close to Guatemala. Sure. What a beautiful climate. What a beautiful landscape. Why would people leave? There? Why would people leave this beautiful area to come exactly. to uh, 98 degrees and humidity in the Midwest and uh, 20, 20 below zero in the wintertime? <laughs> I mean, I love it here. I love that. It's, it's what I'm used to. I love it. But I would guess that if you're not particularly accustomed to that and you've got the very moderate climate of southern Mexico, Guatemala to deal with, that'd be more preferable. So clearly they're not coming for our weather. <laughs> so, sure I mean, I mean, Sandra makes a good point, I think, is that, you know, to some extent it's U.S. foreign policy. I mean, look at the, tra the, the, the tragedy in, in Guatemala, El mm -hmm. Salvador. You know, that's a direct result of decisions we Correct. made as a country, some of them overtly, some of them covertly. I, I, I mean, 
Would you agree with that, Joel? Well, yeah. There's, there's. I was actually reading about that uh, uh, crisis in Honduras that we basically manufactured mm-hmm. uh, that sent a lot of people here. So I, I completely agree with that. And our foreign policy has been as incoherent at many times as our as our immigration policy has been. At the same time, I see um, a lot of times this discussed in in a, a belligerent tone that I don't think really. Um, I don't think really endears Americans to the mm-hmm. issue and I think results in some of these polls that are tilted against immigration is because, you know, you have folks, and, and this I thought was a terrible move, for, especially from a PR perspective, the Mexican president coming out and saying basically this is a human right. And I'm like, okay, well, you can say that in a way that doesn't suggest that I have a human right to settle down in somebody else's country without their permission. Because if I tried that in China, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't end well. If I tried that in any other country in the world, it wouldn't end well. And so I think the tones need to change of one from one of entitlement to one of let's work together, cooperation. And that, that I think, will change some perspectives on it. Uh, Joel, if you allow me, please. Uh, do you know who came up with the human rights uh, as we know them right now? Well, it's a long history that dates back to at least ancient Greece, but who do you mean in a modern uh, in, re- in modern history. <laughs> let's say that uh, after World War II. Okay, I mean... I, I, how I, was the United Nations created? Oh. who was one of the masterminds of the Human Rights Bill, the Declaration of Human Rights Bill. That we Truman? Oh, it was. I mean, after World War II, that would have been the, the creation of the right. Is that what you're getting at? What I am getting at is that it was the wife of a president, Mrs. Roosevelt, who was extremely, extremely involved in creating the Declaration of Human Rights. Why? Because she could see, she could foresee. She saw what happened, she saw what happened before, during, and after. And she could foresee the future. And that's the reason why we have a Human Rights Declaration, a Universal Declaration of Human Rights, to which the United States is one of the main uh, builders of it, and also signatories, and we are not respecting the human rights of people that look different than ourselves. And I think that that is a sovereign comment. What you just said in regard to the Mexican president, if you don't know it, just for you to know, because I am from that descent, uh, we all Mexicans, or people from Mexican descent, we hated the fact that he allowed or he invited candidate Trump and put him in a position of looking presidential. Uh, I believe that he is also very, uh, in, people are very much in disagreement with some of the positions he has made because he hasn't been strong enough to stand up to President Trump and his crazy policies. So I would say that you see it that way, I see it as he hasn't been strong enough or as hard enough as to say some significant truths, not in a crude way, but in a reasonable, civil way. He did that when he was candidate Trump. And candidate Trump came very upset back from there and started attacking even more the Mexican people and those who are here, like me, because I am uh, very proudly uh, from Mexico, and well, I, I am very proudly sounds, a citizen of the Sounds like US. you and Joel might be related. Uh, he's got some... <laughs> Maybe. You, was your, was your, Maybe. Gra- your grandfather who came here from Mexico? Mm-hmm. Is it? Yeah. Right. Well, and my, you know, uh, you, your, your families might have been here longer than mine. My, my family came over in the 1920s from Ireland, 
And we were greeted by, you know, signs saying, if Irish need not, you, exactly. you need not apply. Mm -hmm. That's correct. But we had an advantage. We had we knew the language, and we're white. And I, I think it's, you know, I, I think you're right, though, Joel. Part of the challenge is how do we message, how do we talk about this, this, yeah. this, these things in ways? Like, for example, to say that, you know, the U.S. funded the 1954 overthrow of the Arbenz government in Guatemala mm -hmm. at the behest of the um, <clears throat> United Fruit Company. I mean, it's right. pretty much a fact, right. but it, it's hard to it's hard to get people to understand right. that. So, how do you what, what 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 would you say would be the right message to suggest that would um, resonate better with people? We have to take people off of the defensive, <laughs> and and that's really what it is. Is when you look at the electorate, most of the electorate that propelled Trump to a presidential victory. And again, I've been highly critical of him, but it's true he does have the the blue collar demographic that's you know out there saying what what's happening to our jobs and so when you when you look at the immigration thing you, you have to you have to reassure people I think that this is not going to threaten our economic well-being it's mm -hmm. not going to threaten the job force in fact I I've been out there making oh, the case that you have to you have to t link any discussion of immigration to our birth rate which has done this mm -hmm. since the 70s mm -hmm. it's a major right. major problem yes. if it weren't for immigration right now we wouldn't even even be above we our replacement rate. Negative. right yeah right and so, the very conservative <clears throat> and libertarian Cato Institute Mm -hmm. who believes very strongly, of course, in the free, free flow of capital across borders, also supports the free, fro free flow of labor across borders. Yeah. It's, they, they do. I don't think you'll find a, I, I would call them more libertarian than conservative. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and on the libertarian uh, side of things, obviously, you have a spectrum from, you know, hi, I'm Rand Paul to hi, I'm Gary Johnson. Yeah. And that's a pretty big range. So I think right, there's, right. it's a little bit broad there. I don't think a, <clears throat> most conservatives would ever support a straight-up open border Well, policy. I'm not sure we've solved the problem today, but we've had, a, had an excellent conversation. And I think I – think, uh, I think there's room for agreement and for continued dialogue, uh, both locally and, and hopefully nationally. And more importantly, that we can show that we can have a conversation mm -hmm. about it without right. yelling and screaming. Yeah, there was no no fisticuffs. anybody, yeah. <laughs> you know. Nobody. So. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> um, again, folks, uh, thanks for tuning in to today's program. If you're listening on our community on stations, stay tuned. We got a little more to come. I want to thank Sandra Sanchez with the American Friends Service Committee. And Joel Curtinus, Curtinitis, who wears so many hats, I can't describe them all in one, one breath. And again, thanks to uh, Maddie Kane, my producer. Thanks to Juan Rodriguez. Thanks to uh, uh, Lenny uh, Montalvo here at the studio. And thanks to you for tuning in. Again, if you're listening on the community on station, stick around. We got more coming. How'd he do me? Just watch me smile. Ed Fallon with you here on the Fallon Forum. So, in the realm of climate change, big news on methane. So, the U.S. oil and gas industry combined, they, the estimate is they emit about 13 million tons of methane every year. Now, that's, here's what's interesting, that's nearly 60% more than the EPA had previously estimated. And this is the EPA prior to Scott Pruitt. <laughs> so, uh, Scott Pruitt probably denies the existence of methane. I mean, you can't see it; doesn't exist. You know, I, I he, he, all right. He may not, he may not go that far, but yeah, he still, as far as we know, continues to deny that climate change exists. But uh, for for the watchdog agency of the federal government to be off by that much, sixty percent, is 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 significant. Now, this was revealed recently in a study by the journal Science. 
And the nuts and bolts of it are that natural gas is not so clean after all. I mean, remember, it was the Obama administration was promoting natural gas as the bridge fuel to get us from fossil fuels into renewables to get us, you know, over the lump, over the hump so we could survive climate change. And um, natural gas was the clean fuel. Now, as soon as he said that, scientists left and right said, wait a minute now, methane, big problem, big problem. Because methane really is worse than carbon. We talk about concern about carbon pollution. Well, methane is, uh, is um, more than 80 times as bad as carbon dioxide, especially when you look at a 20-year cycle. And so, you know, <laughs> for us to be off by 60% is a huge problem, a huge, huge problem. Now, I know, of course, we have a president. President Trump doesn't believe in climate change either. Basically, he doesn't believe in science, uh, except when it's suitable. So he's not going to take any action based on this evidence either. But intelligent people, whether they be average citizens or leaders of the business community or politicians who aren't totally bought and paid for by the fossil fuel industry, should take this very, very seriously. It ought to be a wake-up moment that says, whoa, wait a minute, natural gas? Such a problem. We were off by 60%. So what does this mean? So, you know, this is, again, this is the most comprehensive study done on natural gas and methane emissions yet. And uh, the study, and done by the Environmental Defense Fund, um, with support from 15 other institutions, reputable institutions, uh, the study estimates that the current leak rate from U.S. oil and gas you know, pipelines and whatnot, the system generally, is 2.3% um, versus the EPA's estimate of 1.4%. That's, that's huge. That's huge. That's, that's not a small figure. Your lips were like a red and ruby chalice, warmer than the summer night. The clouds were like an alabaster palace, rising to a snowy height. Each star its own aurora borealis, suddenly you held me tight. I could see the midnight sun. I can't explain the silver rain that found me Or was that a moonlit veil? The music of the universe around me Or was that a nightingale? And then your arms miraculously found me Suddenly the sky turned pale And I could see the midnight sun was there such a night? It's a thrill I still don't quite believe. But after you were gone, there was still some stardust on my sleeve. The flame of it may dwindle to an ember, and the stars forget to shine. And we may see the man.